Welcome to Catholic Family Matters with your hosts, Paul Kosinski and Betsy Lashley. A podcast where we share a little about our lives of faith in an effort to encourage families to live courageously Catholic lives, to love Jesus more, and to learn to see the divine in the everyday events of our family life. So come along with us to find encouragement, hope, and maybe a little laughter along the way. Because Family family matters. Matters. Welcome to episode 54 of Catholic Family Matters. Today, Paul and I talk about sainthood and our favorite saints. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Amen. Come Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful, and kindle in us the fire of your love. Guide our hearts and our minds, and anoint our tongues, so that we may speak the truth and glorify Jesus with our conversation today. All holy men and women, pray for us. Amen. Amen. In the name Amen. of the Father, Father Son, Son, Holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen. How about you spare me the chit chat? I'm going to take uh, your chit chat in the chitty chitty chat chat in... chat 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 in the chit chat. Okay, welcome to chit chat, Paul. Hey, Betsy. What do you got? Uh, so... that's your that's your radio voice, by the way. Hey, Betsy. Hey, Betsy. Uh, yeah, it doesn't sound at all like you. Uh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Okay. Moving on. What's your chit chat um, today? So we celebrated our oldest son, who is, his name is Michael. He's the oldest one. Just Michael. want to make sure. Okay, good. We all got understood it. that. Okay. Yep, got it. We celebrated his 22nd revolution around the sun yesterday. 22. He's as old as dirt. He's getting there. Yeah. 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 So we, we have this tradition where um, the birthday person gets to choose where they go for dinner. Yeah, what did he and choose? So he chose Stove House. Nice. Yeah. So it was the first time, well, I think my wife's been there and he's been there a couple times, but it was the first time for the rest of us. Did and everybody pick nice. the same restaurant or nope. did you pick all Oh, the yeah, ones? no. We, we. Everybody scattered to the four winds. And, you know, somebody got barbecue, somebody got a cheeseburger. Um, I got um, El Cazador. Oh, my gosh. I, I, I used to go to that place. It's a. Uh, yeah, Mexican. The, the Mexican, but they, they had the bus right there. Oh, before yeah. They, before they renovated the yes. stove house. Um, and uh, some guys uh, from work and I used to go there like almost weekly. Oh, okay. To that, to that so what bus. was your favorite meal? Or uh, what did you get at El Cazador? I always get a burrito there. Oh, that's um, inventive burrito. and I know, creative. Right? I know. Oh, okay. <laughs> thought you were going to say like, pork, blah, blah, blah. Because <laughs> that's how no. Hispanics speak. <laughs> pork, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> I love it when people go to Mexican restaurants and order Paulo. <laughs> I'd <laughs> like the Paulo. <laughs> um, but one thing they do have there, um, the Mexican sodas, the full sugar, like real sugar, real cane sugar instead of the... Are you going to make me go on a nutrition rant here? Because really, seriously, <laughs> who drinks soda, Paul? Just go but, into your cupboard and take a half a cup of sugar and pour it down your throat. But Same they have, thing. They have a bo- the bottle of apple soda. And it is so delicious. Is it? Yeah. I don't know. I don't drink yeah. soda. I yeah. will occasionally imbibe in a root beer. Yeah. yeah. It is the joy of my life, especially if there's a big thing of vanilla ice cream in it. <laughs> yeah. But um, that's about the only soda I drink. Well, I mean, I I don't. I mean, it was a it was a treat. If if this was a normal restaurant that we had gone to, we would have all ordered water. But yeah. So if you're listening and you don't know what Stovehouse is, it's an outdoor kind of entertainment place with several restaurants around the perimeter. And then you can go and sit in the middle and eat whatever you get. Uh, and they do live music and different things. But I have not yeah. been there in a very long time because El Cazador was not there when I was there. Oh, okay. okay. Um, so we went to last weekend, we went to um, 
and this is what I thought you were talking about, Campus 805, 805 yeah, yeah. to Yellowhammer. And, yeah. oh, their pizza is just delish. Yeah. Really like their pizza there. Yeah. Um, but I was telling you earlier, we went to Big Ed's Pizza, which is right. a Huntsville kind of landmark. Mm-hmm. And their pizza was pretty good, too. Different. Mm-hmm. Uh, but very good. I But we're, you know, like pizza lovers in this house. So it's always the joy. I can relate. To go there. And then we went to, um, I, I dragged Tony along with me to the at-home superstore because I needed a few things for our chapel because we have the bishop coming in next week to mm. dedicate the chapel. So we're pretty excited about that. And I had a 20% off coupon because it's my birthday month. Aww. So we were like going through the aisles and throwing things in the <laughs> cart and getting stuff. And we we're pretty excited. Actually, it was just me because Tony was kind of like, can we go now? Can we go now? Can we go now? Um, but we should be able to. And then I've got a work day with my students on Monday. So we're going to get everything looking fantastic for um, the Wednesday dedication. Mm-hmm. And that will be, um, I think it'll be a great week. So. And then the week after that, I go on vacation. So that's really what I'm living for. I'm living for vacation. Have you found Jesus yet? I didn't know I was supposed to be looking for him. Okay, so our discussion today, I'm kind of excited about this one because we we talk about saints all the time on our podcast, Mm -hmm. but I thought it would be cool to kind of just talk about one in particular that is very meaningful to me and very meaningful to you. And favorite is a strong word. Because it's hard yeah, to have a favorite yeah. saint. One favorite. So yeah. you and I discuss like what is a saint that speaks to you right now in your life. Right. And so I picked one and you picked one and we're going to talk about those. Yep. Okay. But before we start, like what's a saint? What is a saint? A saint is somebody who we believe as Catholics that is um, in heaven with God, um, whether through, um, I don't know what to say. That's I'm just gonna stop it right there. <laughs> <laughs> so to be a saint, that means that you're in heaven in with heaven, God, yeah. right? And in, in our faith too, we believe that we can pray to these saints to intercede mm-hmm. on our behalf, to, right. to straight to Jesus. Mm-hmm. They can go straight to Jesus for us. So we often pray. And in our tradition too, saints typically have some sort of a patronage that goes along with them. Right. So we have the patron saint of lost things, right. where if you lose something and you're trying to find it, you pray to St. Anthony of Padua. And hopefully that, then you'll find your lost thing. Which was very confusing for my son, Anthony. He's like, but anyway, that's another story for another time. Okay. <laughs> now I'm curious. Um, St. Jude, the patron saint, saint of, of lost, lost causes, causes, who is also the patron of the St. Jude's um, hospital right. over in Memphis, which right. is such a cool, they have really some cool um, associations with St. Jude over there. Yeah. Uh, so if you ever get to go and tour their little gift shop area, it's very cool. Yeah. I always found that one kind of confusing because you're the patron saint of lost causes, but yet he, here he is, the the saint of this children's hospital. Like, they're not lost causes, though. Yeah. yeah. You've yeah. got to go, well, the child isn't, but right. I think maybe when you feel like it's a lost cause, a diagnosis of cancer yeah, when you're a yeah. child can feel like it's Helpless. the Helpless, yeah. Yeah. But really, go to their, um, their area and and look at what you know Danny Thomas was the founder and Marlo mm-hmm. Thomas does mm-hmm. a lot but it is very very cool that association with St Jude there right. um so it's worth it's worth a visit to the Memphis hospital so lots of patron saints and uh, i i have a saint that i am dedicated to from the time of my birth St Elizabeth of Hungary whose feast day is on November 17th 
both of my sons have a saint that their lives is dedicated to. Um, and we pray for them, especially on their the feast day of that saint. So that's kind of a cool Catholic thing, yeah, yeah, yeah. which is really neat. You have someone in heaven that's kind of on your side. So, uh, I, okay, I'm going to, I'll just go ahead and start Yeah, that. Yeah, okay. so, so uh, which saint did you pick that is very influential in, in your life, right? right so I, I could have picked any number, and I picked St. Therese of Lisieux, and I picked her because her life is, she did not do anything spectacular or special in her life. In fact, her, the reason that she was canonized was really because she had a very, little way of approaching life and suffering and different things that occurred in her life. And, and that was why she was canonized. So she, if you don't know about St. Therese of Lisieux, she was born into a very holy family. Her parents are actually saints now. Um, one of her sisters, I believe has also been canonized Mm -hmm. and four of them, Four of her sisters, she, including her, were nuns, Carmelite nuns at the same convent. So she was kind of a spoiled little child. She was the youngest one, and I think her parents really didn't expect a whole lot out of her. But when her sisters went into the convent, she very much wanted to do that. And she ended up becoming um, a Carmelite nun, and but she only lived until the age of 24. And she wrote at towards the end there, her sister was in the convent with her and her sister kind of knew of her holiness and her piety and the way that she was approaching life. Because some of the things that struck me about St. Therese are she lived in community, which I don't know. I, I grew up in a family of 10, which felt a little bit like community and it can be difficult to live in community. So if you speak to seminarians or nuns or monks, that is a whole different lifestyle that some of us can't even right. relate to right. because these are not your family members and you have to kind of continue to be holy despite difficult circumstances. So she would, her, her little way of spirituality was that she would often just allow little inconveniences Like she would eat whatever was served and she would never complain. She would, if she was accused of doing something and she didn't do it, she actually in one circumstance had said that she did it and she took the punishment for it, even though it wasn't her that did it. Hmm. Uh, And I, I just think those are really interesting ways to approach your life. And I, I think I chose her because this is so uncommon in our world today. Right. True it's humility. A very, yeah, it's yeah. a very me-centered um, way of life, and a lot of people don't always think about others. Uh, so towards the end of her life, when she was sick, her sister asked her to write down some of her thoughts, and and so they actually put it into an autobiography. It's called The Story of a Soul, and you can read about her tremendous life and the way that she lived her life and the way that she approached it. And uh, it could, it could probably change the way that you look at number one, sainthood. What does it take to be a saint? And she actually is a doctor of the church and she is the patron um, of missionaries. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of an interesting thing because she never, ever left Lisieux. 
she never ever left the convent and she died when she was 24 so how could she be the patron of missions she had a love of the mission and would pray for all of the missionaries of the world and that was her little way so in her um, autobiography this is one of the quotes that i wanted to share with you therese says i will seek out a means of getting to heaven by a little way very short and very straight little way that is wholly new we live in an age of inventions nowadays the rich need not trouble to climb the stairs they have the lifts instead Well, I mean to try and find a lift by which I may be raised unto God, for I am too tiny to climb the steep stairway of perfection. Thine arms then, O Jesus, are the lift which must raise me up unto heaven. To get there, I need not grow. On the contrary, I must remain little. I must become still less. And I love that because I I think in our world today, we're taught only how to get more, to have more power, more fame, more money. And her point of view is almost the opposite. Right, right. Um, The only way to get to heaven is through Jesus. And so when you study the lives of the saints, these are the kind of things that you learn and you come to understand, which is why I love her, um, St. Therese. And also when I was growing up, I went to St. Mary's Parish. We sat on the left side. It was the Mary side of the church as opposed to the right side which was the St. Joseph side. And there with the big statue of Mary was also a statue of St. Therese of Lisieux with all of the roses in her cloak. Mm. Uh, and I love that. And she is my, she was my confirmation saint as oh. well. So, so that is St. Therese of Lisieux. And I encourage you to read um, her autobiography, The Story of a Soul those letters and manuscripts that were put together by her sister after her death. She died of tuberculosis when she was only 24 and she suffered a great deal just prior to her death. In fact, she said if she didn't have Jesus on her side, she may have ended her own life. And I think sometimes in, in our world today, we often think that the pain of this world is so difficult but by suffering and uniting our suffering to Jesus on the cross, we can often get through it a little bit better, right. much like Therese. So uh, that's what I have on Therese. There's a million more little factoids I could tell you about her, but um, I think I relate to her because she was maybe a little brat when she was little, and she kind of <laughs> came to Jesus and came to know him, and it changed her life. And the fine example of her family and wanting to serve Jesus and get to heaven to be with him. And, and we believe that she is in heaven with Jesus. Yep. So, yep. All right. That All right. was my favorite saint. How about yeah. you, Paul? Who did you pick? So normally on uh, thinking about something like this, I would have picked like John Paul II, you know, because of his Polish heritage and, um, you know, my love of the theology of the body is his teachings on, on chastity and sexuality yeah. and, um, but I went with St. Thomas Aquinas. Um, so because of your love of all things intellectual, intellectual, he's yes, yeah, very intellectual. So, um, and I, you know, in previously in my life, I avoided St. Thomas Aquinas because he's so deeply intellectual and it was, you know, he's, he's very intimidating, um, as a, as a theologian. Amen. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but I like the little way, <laughs> right, right. <laughs> you right. like the heady way. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
but so I've been I've been following Matt Frad a lot more here recently, and he's um, got this um, apostolate called uh, Pints with Aquinas, and so he's very involved in many things that are Thomistic, and um, he'll even so I've I've started he's started this program where like, he calls it morning coffee. And, um, it's like Monday through Friday, sharing a cup of coffee, live video feed and one or two days a week uh, out of those five days, he'll actually go through a said contra, um, with everybody and just kind of, you know, walk through it and explain it as he's going. And, and as he's doing that, I'm like, Oh, this is, this is amazing. Why? It why speaks I not? to your intellectual part. Yeah. yeah. What is a said contra again? It means so, so. It means, um, on the contrary, on the contrary. Okay. Um, is what it translates to. And so the said contrary is how he, um, in his work, the Summa Theologica, the one that he's probably most, most famous for. Um, although he has several writings that are, you know, that are not as the Summa Theologica is probably the one that's the most heady, the most, the most weighty, um, as far as intellectual, um, a lot of, a lot of his writings are very intellectual, but not not as intellectual as, as the, as the Summa. Um, but so what, what he does in the, in the Summa is that he, he presents arguments. So there's a topic that he'll talk about. And let me, let, I want to go over an example, just kind of show you like what he's writing about. And this one is on, um, Oh crap. Sorry. And I find that a lot of people like him and it doesn't surprise me that you do too. I have several students that love him because he, he really gives you the ability to help to argue the points of our faith, right? which is a wonderful, um, help. And, and some people are very much drawn to that. Right. And I, I'm going to put a link to, um, new advent has the summa all online, um, with links. So you can kind of, you can follow along. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't actually like go through and just like read the summa one by one, but if you're looking for a topic, that you need a defense on or an argument on. It's a, it's, it's almost, it's almost like looking through the catechism. It's a very, very good reference tool to get some information from a, a very prominent wise theologian. Um, and a lot of, a lot of his, um, a lot of his arguments, I would say probably 95% or maybe slightly more of his arguments still stand up today. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. He amazing. is often quoted in right. Catholic he's, circles. He's got some controversial thoughts about when life begins and so abortion and things like that. But, but I mean, like I said, the rest of his stuff is really, really stands stands the test of time. Okay. Um, so you're going to go through one of these, yeah. the way that he does it. Are, Just, are you like, you're going to be like Matt Frad right now? Is that what's happening? <laughs> Except without the, without the Australian accent. Oh, uh, yeah, no. <laughs> bollocks. Oh, that's, that's English. That's, that's English. Yeah. yeah. Sorry. Okay. This topic is whether or not sacred doctrine is a science. And Thomas Aquinas in this one is arguing that sacred doctrine is a science. And so he has received two arguments that he tries to refute that, that are trying to say that sacred doctrine is not a science. So let me start. Here's the first argument that he receives. It says, objective one, it seems that sacred doctrine is not a science. For every science proceeds from self-evident, self-evident principles, but sacred doctrine proceeds from articles of faith, which are not self-evident, since their truth is not admitted by all. For all men have not faith from Second Thessalonians. Therefore, sacred doctrine is not a science. So this one is saying that since not all men... that 
not all men have a faith in God, sacred doctrine cannot be a science because not all men believe in God. The second objection, it says, further, no science deals with individual facts, but this sacred science treats of individual facts such as the deeds of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and such like. Therefore, sacred doctrine is not a science. Um, and I'll, I'll get into kind of the explanation of this one. It, um, it explains it more when um, we read uh, through uh, St. Thomas Aquinas's objection to that, that argument. So then he, he'll present the arguments, and then he'll present the said contra, or the on the contrary. So here is, here is on the contrary to sacred doctrine not being a science. It says, Aquinas says, no, Augustine, Augustine thank you. Augustine says, to this science alone belongs that whereby saving faith is begotten, nourished, protected, and strengthened. But this can be said of no science except sacred doctrine. Therefore, sacred doctrine is a science. That's interesting. So saving faith is begotten, nourished, protected, and strengthened. And that is unlike any other science except for sacred doctrine. That's what I'm reading. Right. Okay. Sorry. Right. I needed yeah. to paraphrase it in my own little yeah. way. There. No, and okay. that's good. And that's, and that's in it, but it's uh, so easy to read too. Like right. I'm a little bit shocked. How I know. Easy it is I know. Read. Right. Yeah. Okay. Right. Okay. So then this is, um, that, that is a said contra given by, um, Aquinas. And so that he goes further into his argument. He says, I answer that sacred doctrine is a science. We must bear in mind that there are two kinds of sciences. There are some science there there are some which proceed from a principle known as natural light of intelligence, such as arithmetic and geometry and the like. There are some which proceed from principles known by the light of a higher science. Thus, the science of perspective. I, I love this. I love this um, argument here because it's it's very um, uh, the the examples that he gives. Mm -hmm. is, I, I just think is amazing. So he says um, thus. The science of perspective proceeds from principles established by geometry and music from principles established by arith arithmetic. So it is that sacred doctrine is a science because it proceeds from principles established by the light of a higher science, namely the science of God and the blessed. Hence, just as a musician, and this is, this is the important line that where he, he does the analogy. Hence, just as the musician accepts on authority, the principles taught him by the mathematician so sacred science is established on principles revealed by God. So in a sense, he's saying that because music is built upon math, you know, you've got you know, the, the notes and the octaves and the chords and the, you know, the fifths and the thirds and mm -hmm. that, mm -hmm. um, because, because the musician relates so much to what was taught to him by the mathematician, we can relate to sacred doctrine because of what was taught to us by God. Mm. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. Okay. And then, and then he finishes with the objection, his reply to the two objections that he, um, that he, that he named off in the beginning. So um, just to kind of give that final nail in the coffin to those objections. So objection one, his reply is the principles of any science are neither in themselves self-evident or reducible to the conclusions of higher science and such as we have said the principles are the principles of sacred doctrine so if you go back to that first objection just because not all men have faith doesn't mean that 
it doesn't exist because we have the higher science, right? Mm-hmm. So there's, there's your refuting that objective one. So objective two, the reply to objection two, individual facts are treated of in sacred doctrine, not because it is concerned with them principally, but because they are introduced rather both as examples to be followed in our lives as in moral science and in order to establish the authority of those men through whom the divine revelation on which this sacred scripture or doctrine is based has come down to us. So here he's saying that because these men, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, were given the authority of divine revelation on which our sacred doctrine is based, that we go beyond the individual facts of those and I, th- I think what this is also saying is that we look at it as a collection of, um, you know, it's, it's the both and argument here. You know, we don't look at just what Abraham did or what just Isaac did or mm-hmm. what just mm-hmm. Jacob did. Yep. We look at the whole collection of divine revelation and that we can draw that that because of that, that sacred doctrine is a science. Yeah. And St. Uh, Thomas Aquinas was a monk, right? He was a monk. He he was a he was on the Dominican order, and he um, Dominicans, the order of preachers, the order of preachers. So right. he was very invested in helping people understand mm-hmm. why faith was so important. And I got to tell you, in my work, I come across people who are more into the feeling of the faith, and sometimes uh, they're they're more into that part of it, and then the thinking part. And this is so much a thinking man's yes. approach to faith, right? Um, and and I and I think that's very cool and very interesting. And he probably because this is a huge book, he must have just thought if I can ask every question that could ever be asked, right, and give it some importance and some weight and help people to see, it's actually quite a gift. It, it is, and like I said, once you once you look at an argument like this. And just read through it, and you're like, oh, you know, it's not, it's not so intimidating. Yeah, this you've is... actually piqued my interest because I'd like to read a, a little bit more. Yeah, um, and... that's cool. Yeah, not only was Saint uh, Thomas Aquinas a Dominican, but he uh, he lived in the 1200s, um, and he is the patron saint of students and all universities, which makes sense because of how intellectual he is. Yes. Um, in fact, a lot of universities are named after him. My, I have family members who graduated from Aquinas College. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think I knew much about Thomas Aquinas when they went there, but now, <laughs> thanks to you, I know a little bit more. Um, I didn't know he was a Dominican either, so I hope none of my students are listening because they, they love him. Yeah. They talk about him all the time. Yeah. So. Um, and we talked about him last week because of the hillbilly Thomas. Thomas yep, yeah. Yep, yep. So. Which, by the way, oh my gosh, I have been listening to. Them oh no, week. really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's, that's it's so great. Yeah. yeah. Um, the yeah. other day, to- last night, Tony and I, when we were driving around, we were listening to Christian music, which is always on in my car. And I said, "Oh my gosh, I love Christian music so much." <laughs> so, anyway, that's an aside. Okay. Anything else you want to say about? I think that's all I Thomas? wanted to say. Okay, very good. Thank you for exposing us to that whole idea of his argument and proofs and all of that stuff. It's very cool. Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, but there are some other saints that I think that we should mention just because they're super cool. And JP2, who is both of our favorites, mm-hmm. really, he he really was into 
canonizing saints. And he really wanted people to have a, an example that saints are not people that just live in monasteries or that they appear holy every moment of their lives. Saints are really regular everyday people who choose to live holy lives. And that is often why they um, get to spend eternity in heaven with Jesus right, and that we right. can reach out to them. And so I thought we would name a few of the ones that we thought were super cool in the world today. So do you want to start? Sure. Um, yeah. The first one we have listed here is blessed Carlo Acutis. Well, he's not, he's not a saint he's not then, a saint. right? Actually, so tell me about that. Um, the ones we have here are all blessed. <laughs> Are so, they really? Okay, so yeah. they're on the way to becoming so, saints. Right, 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 right. So, oh, no, I think the... Oh, yeah, you're right. Okay. Yeah. Um, so, blesseds are not... Have not fully completed in the eyes of the church, um, but they are on the path to sainthood. Um, they've been beatified, but they've not been canonized into the canon of saints. Yeah. So they are in the process. Right. Yeah. Right. They probably are saints in heaven, but the Catholic right. Church goes through a series of things that they have make to, it official. to make it official. Right. Yeah. Right. So this, um, the ones that we're going to mention, they're not quite all the way there, but they are on their way. Right. Um, and you, did you mention Blessed Carlo? Um, I said his name. Oh, okay. So sorry. I couldn't remember if you did or not, but the ones that we picked too, I, I thought that was, it was cool because they're modern, they're right. really modern day yeah, saints. Yeah, yeah. They are in the 20th century. Um, and they are on there. So you, you, it, it, what, they're not just old saints. Right. And right. Carlo Acutis was actually 15 when he died of leukemia. In in the in this century. Yeah. In this century. Yeah. Like he, we have, he has a website that he developed because of his love of the Catholic church. He loved uh, Eucharistic miracles. Yep. So he developed a website that taught, teaches people and you can refer to it today mm-hmm. um, about Eucharistic miracles. Every Eucharistic miracle. Yeah. Yep. And uh, when we did our chapel, he had just been become blessed. People were just learning about his life. And Bishop Baker asked us to name the chapel in our first campus ministry house after blessed Carlo Acutis, because he thinks he really feels that this is a saint for young people of today. This is a saint who actually was on the internet. He played soccer. You know, he was just a normal kid who lived his life in such a way that it magnified Jesus. Uh, So I think that's pretty cool. Blessed Carlo Acutis. Right. Okay. Who else you got? So, um, the next one I have listed is blessed Alexandria Maria de Costa. And, um, she's similar to, um, St. Maria Goretti. Um, you know, Maria, uh, Maria Goretti was, um, she was raped and I believe she forgave her, um, her rapist. And I want to say he like became a priest or something, but I'm not, I, I don't have her information here, but, um, uh, blessed Alexandria, she was also, um, she was attacked by three men. She was a seamstress and, um, three men broke into the room that she was in, um, while she was, um, working and trying, you know, they tried to, um, uh, molest her and, um, she fled by running out a window. And, and when she fell, she ended up like bro- breaking her back and she actually lived for another 37 years, but, um, she just she has an extraordinary, extraordinary life of, um, 
of uh, prayer and forgiveness because of, of what had occurred to her. So, yeah. Yeah. And then this happened in the early 1900s, early to mid 1900s. Yeah, 1918. And in, in the Maria Goretti, she felt that chastity was so important, chastity and purity, that mm-hmm. she didn't want to be defiled. Right, right. Uh, and though both of those lives marked by forgiveness, because right. forgiving someone who has assaulted you can be a very difficult thing. So. Yes, yes. Um, okay. I also found this one is kind of cool. Uh, a married couple who were, who are blessed because, and really JP two wanted them to be, um, saints because they lived a very holy married life and lived their and, and raised their family in such a way that their family was holy. And he thought that was such a great example to people in our time that he wanted that that to actually be acknowledged. So, in fact, his quote is that they lived an ordinary life in an extraordinary way. They had four children, um, three of whom are, one is a, a monk and a couple other are sisters. And then the very last child that they had, the fourth one, the doctor said, we need to abort the baby because either you or the baby could die. And the mother said no. Um, and I don't think I've mentioned their names. These are the Quattrachis. Luigi and Maria Quattracci, and they um, they declined, and she and the baby survived, hmm. um, and that was their fourth child. So, again, living their life, seeking holiness, and doing, you know, God's will in every part of their life, and that is sainthood. Yeah, and yeah. I think that's a message to all of us because I think we sometimes think it's out of our reach. But. Yeah. yeah. That's me and you, Paul. We got to have holy marriages so that we can get to heaven. And maybe some podcaster 50 years from now will be talking about us. <laughs> Remember the Yeah. <laughs> you laughed a little too hard. Sorry. <laughs> more, more so at me. Okay. So the last one I want to mention is something that I just got in the mail the other day. This is so cool from Focus. Okay. And this person is not a saint at all, but there is a bishop in the Diocese of Bismarck, North Dakota, who is beginning the process that could lead to beatification and canonization of Michelle Dupont. And Michelle was um, 31 years old when she passed away from cancer. She was the director of adult faith formation at her church. And before that, she served as a focused missionary for six years. And that the way that she lived her life, they believe is worthy of sainthood. Hmm. And I think that is so cool. Yeah, it could be yeah. our first focus missionary saint. Uh, and that's, I mean, that's about as modern day as it gets. Yeah. So Michelle DePong, you can pray for her. You can pray to her. And you can pray that if this process is meant to be, that that she will one day be sainted, which is super cool. I mentioned this to my focus missionary. And his wife actually worked with Michelle DePong oh, wow. as a focus missionary at the University of Nebraska in one of her things so that was i think that's pretty cool yeah yeah that's awesome yeah all All right right. so who's your favorite saint let us know uh send us an email or or yeah we'd love to hear a little bit about those of you that keep texting yes you Um, know who you are (laughs) text me who your favorite saint is and even if it's not your favorite text us a saint that is someone that is on your heart right now or whose life is kind of an example to you Uh, And on Catholic Family Matters, I think that's why we brought up some of these saints that lived their lives in a normal way, just like we are, just getting through day by day, um, seeking holiness, like we should all be doing. And now, deep thoughts. Because I'm good enough, 
I'm smart enough, and doggone it, people like me. I read a reflection on this past Thursday's gospel reading from Luke, the one where Jesus uses Simon's boat to preach to the crowd just before he calls Simon to join him. It talked about how our spiritual senses are becoming dull, and it's getting harder and harder to hear the voice of God due to all the distractions in our lives. I also recently heard Matt Fred talk briefly about our circle of concern and circle of influence. Think about your circle of concern as things like social media, the news, etc., and your circle of influence as your friends and your family. He recently returned to the internet after taking a month off. He had talked about these circles such that it was nice to have a month away from Ben Shapiro and Matt Walsh, and that month allowed him to also focus on his wife and his kids and his close friends. All this got me to thinking about our upcoming fall retreat for Mercy Parish Youth Group. Our theme this year is friendship. One of the sessions in Family Honor, we talk about friendship. One of the presenters had a great way of illustrating friendship for the teens. He drew three or four circles, one inside the other. In the middle circle, you have yourself, then your intimate friends, then your close friends, then your acquaintances, as, and people you might say hello to as you go out from the middle of the circle. The point being, the ones closer to you tend to influence you the most. So back to Matt Frad's point is that we tend to inverse our circle of concern and our circle of influence. In other words, we let the news, the social media, and things like that influence instead of our family and friends. And so when we become distracted, our spiritual sense becomes dulled. But there is good news. As we grow in faith, not only do our circles shift, but people and things within our circles shift as well. We listen less to what the news says and more to what God is calling us to in our prayer. And with that, we will have the strength and faith to follow Jesus, just as Simon did. You got a song for us this week, Betsy? I do. Uh, And this is a song by Need to Breathe. I don't think that I have put any Need to Breathe songs on our... I don't think I've used any. This is one of my favorites. Is it really? Yeah. Okay, you never say that, Paul. Okay, well, the song that I've picked is called Multiplied. It's kind of an older song by Need mm-hmm. to Breathe, um, and but it is such a good one. And here is what I really liked about it. The guitar work in the song is extraordinary. Yeah, I mean, it just it absolutely lifts your minds and your your mind and your heart to God when you listen to it. It just is fantastic. And I heard it on the radio the other day, and I just thought, oh, and the the words are good. The words are great. The lyrics are great. But um, boy, that music was just heavenly. So the lyrics go like this. Your love is like radiant diamonds bursting inside us. We cannot contain. Your love will surely come find us like blazing wildfires singing your name. God of mercy, sweet love of mine. I have surrendered to your design. May this offering stretch across the skies and these hallelujahs be multiplied. Surely come find us like blazing wildfires singing your name God of mercy sweet love mine I have surrendered to your design May this offering stretch across the sky These hallelujahs be multiplied
this song relates to our topic today because this is what saints do in their lives. Mm -hmm. They allow God to come into their lives and to multiply their joy, their peace, and they share it with others. And that virtue of holiness and that striving is what brings them to heaven with Jesus. Just like St. Therese, St. Thomas Aquinas, and all of those other saints that we ask for prayers from every day. All right, our closing prayer today, I am pulling from the Novena from the Nativity of the Blessed Virgin Mary, which is, if you're on our uh, Facebook page, I posted it. It is a novena that's going on now, and it will end on the Feast of the Nativity of the Blessed Mary, which is how novenas work typically. But this is really about marriage and family, and I thought this prayer was such a great testimony to what we hope to achieve here at Catholic Family Matters, so I wanted to pray this prayer with everyone. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, Spirit. amen. Amen. Jesus, I trust in you. Please grant through your mother's intercession that I may always bring your hope into my family. Jesus, I trust in you. Please grant through your mother's intercession that I may always bring your love into my family. Jesus, I trust in you. Please grant through your mother's intercession that I may always bring your mercy into my family. Our Lady, on the feast of your birth, please pray for stronger and holier marriages. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Catholic Family Matters. Please take a moment to subscribe and leave us a review on your favorite podcast listener, iTunes, Google, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you listen to us. Join us on Twitter and like us on Facebook at Matters. Check out our website at www.catholicfamilymatters.com. Send us comments, topic ideas, or encouragement at our email, feedback at catholicfamilymatters.com.